Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Newswave, written, produced and recorded here in the heart of Cornwall by the team at Chaos Radio. I'm your host, Tom Howe, and I'll be guiding you through some of the insightful guests and exciting news content that we have enjoyed across Chaos Radio this past week. On today's show, we talk about breaking down barriers and creating an inclusive and diverse Cornwall through the power of sport with Nathan Richards of the Kerno Football Alliance. We'll hear from my Chaos Radio colleague Dom Philbin and from a range of interviews with the cast and crew of St. Enida Pantomime Society, featuring their performance of Beauty and the Beast, which has drawn some really large crowds to Fradham Village Hall. As well as that, we'll check in with NSPCC Southwest Campaigns Officer Maharush Khan to discuss their latest survey, which reveals two in five parents in the Southwest are worried about how mental health affects their family. Right, there's time for all that later, but first... Monday marked the start of the second week of events around the very first Festival of Tech right here in Cornwall. The whole thing is run by Software Cornwall, a non-profit organisation of close to 100 members that promotes everything tech, digital and software within the area. They not only showcase Cornwall and the amazing talent and facilities that we have here, but also work hard to bring knowledge into the county to upskill and connect companies locally. Their festival Festival features everything from tech demos, expos and talks to workshops, code clubs and networking, with events taking place across Cornwall and activities for all in the local and business communities. Here to tell us more on Chaos Radio is Nikki Davies, a director of Software Cornwall, who explains the county's journey to becoming one of the fastest growing tech clusters in the UK. Cornwall's Festival of Tech has been a bit of a pipe dream for us for many, many years. We find that the biggest challenge locally for the companies and the individuals that work here are recruiting individuals to come and work at these companies, which is why we embark so much on teaching kids uh, that coding's really exciting. You don't have to be a mathematician to be a computer scientist. We really need creative people. We need great thinkers. We need people that can communicate. All those people have a place in tech as well. Uh, And we want adults near that as well. So we do lots of career switching and help adults kind of find their way into tech. And we, we do lots and lots of activities, but the one thing that we felt was missing is one really kind of intense showcase where we could really get families involved, we could get people of business involved, bring those communities together into one really big celebration to really kind of shine a spotlight on those tech, digital and software industries within Cornwall, but get people excited and get people playing with the technologies, getting them to realise that there is a massive industry locally. Not many people realise that Cornwall has the fastest growing tech sector in the southwest, and for, for a little while it was the fastest growing in the UK. But most people locally don't know that. So we wanted a way to reach out to all those hard to reach communities in Cornwall, um, not just geographically, but digitally as well, and show them that actually there's a really, really exciting industry on their doorstep. So we're doing that through a series of events. And when I say this started as a pipe dream, it really did. We kind of thought, okay, well, we could just do a week long thing and invite people to run their events during the same week. But our team don't do things by halves. We like to be a little bit ambitious and a little bit wild. And so we kind of said, well, let's go bigger. Let's do two weeks. Let's see if we can buy for some grant funding. And let's perhaps give out some of those grants so that community groups can run their events, but do it with a little bit of budget so they can get that greater reach. Because there is no better event than an organic one that reaches those hard to reach places. We can't do it all. We're a team of about six or seven people. But there are people within our network that do have those re- that reach. And we really wanted to empower them to reach those hard to reach places. With thanks to Shared Prosperity Funding from uh, Cornwall Council, 
and the government, we basically have launched this Festival of Tech and it's run from the 12th of February to the 25th of February. It deliberately overlaps half term week, which has been featuring lots of events for the community, lots of family oriented events. Uh, just recently, I was over at Cornwall Museum and they've got an amazing expo up there at the moment with loads of VR stuff to, for kids to play with. There's some really old consoles. It's quite shocking. There's a whole table in the museum exhibit that now has a Game Boy in it and an old PlayStation. And it's me showing my age and thinking, oh, my God, these toys are now at museum exhibits. But that's really exciting because there are kids there playing Sonic and playing sort of retro games and really, really getting into them. And that's just one event in amongst loads of events that we already hosted kind of over half term week, including our very infamous Tech Jam, which is where we teach kids and parents to code. And we took that on the road, which we've not been able to do. So we've reached some really hard to reach places in Cornwall and all of those have been completely sold out. On the kind of second half of the week, um, which is where we are now, we are showcasing more of that kind of business focus on the 20th, which is tomorrow. We are hosting the big Cornish tech showcase and this is a merging of tech digital and software in Cornwall and uh, an expo getting companies locally to show off whether it's a piece of software it could be a VR experience it could be something they develop for a client and we wanted to pair that with some stories from local companies where they're bringing their clients along to say look this is how this company in Cornwall have solved my problems. What are we seeing in Cornwall now because obviously you're talk- and what was the statistic you said? It's the fastest growing tech industry in, in the Southwest or in the country? I can't quite remember. Yeah, fastest growing tech cluster in the Southwest. And then in 2019-2020, Tech Nation also posted a report saying it was the fastest growing in the UK. And a lot of that was down to the fact that they have this incredibly supportive network. So we've been around for 10 years and we're celebrating our 10th birthday as well as part of the festival. And what's most noticeable is... When we look at the membership that made up Software Cornwall in the beginning in 2014, those companies uh, which directed our name, Software Cornwall, were traditionally software companies. They were um, agency kind of models who would develop software to solve a problem for multiple clients. And a lot of them specialized in multiple industries. More recently, when I speak at events, and I think I even did this at our launch event um, at the Eden Project in November, I asked for a show of hands of how many companies identify themselves as a tech company. Then if I rephrase the question and say, how many of your companies rely on technology and without it, they would not survive, every hand in the room goes up. And that's what's changed the most. And this isn't just um, unique to Cornwall. This is tech as a whole. Our membership now is made up of retailers, of hospitality companies, of manufacturers, Cornwall Council themselves, remember, they're the actual biggest employee of software developers in Cornwall at the moment. And yet you would see them as public sector and the people that take the bins out. <laughs> and yet, you know, they have this massive development team behind them and they're doing some incredible things in digital transformation. In fact, they're one of the leaders in digital transformation in councils in the UK. And that's not a message that's getting out very much. Actually, most companies, whether they realize it or not, are a tech company or certainly hire somebody or outsource something to manage those tech services within their business. And that's what's different. The membership used to be, yes, I'm a software company and I'm a software developer and this is what I need to recruit. Now it's, I'm an e-commerce company. I've got a Shopify store, but I hire 20 people to manage all my backend systems. It is so accessible and you've got events that are open to to everybody in the community. We do. And we've been quite deliberate about that. Um, One of our other flagship events is called Control Up Delete. This is taking place on the 21st um, of February at the Hall for Cornwall, which is one of the most accessible venues in Cornwall, deliberately chosen. We want to turn this into a kind of a national event and use Cornwall as a destination for it because it focuses on inclusion. 
it focused on kind of building a better future for all with tech being an enabler, but making sure it is truly inclusive. And so the event itself, the speaker lineup is just immense. Um, it's backed by the team at Tech Girls and Tech Women. We're going to be doing some workshops because it's not just why you should build great tech and why you should have diversity in your tech team. It, this is why it's compulsory to do these things because if you don't, this will this will fail and we've seen it fail multiple times. And the stories that you'll be hearing during that event are, this is why it, you know it's better for everybody and your bottom line if actually you build for diversity and inclusion. Bit of an elementary question, but just for people that are listening that might not be in this stratosphere what does the word tech represent to you i think if you'd asked me the same question about 10 years ago i would have probably felt that tech uh was absolutely not where i work very geeky and uh, you had to be extremely clever to go and do anything with tech it's changed so much now because most things are almost tech agnostic and tech kind of transcends a lot of what we do we are hugely reliant on technology, whether we like it or not. You know, most companies I think would be stuck without their Wi-Fi. To make great things and to innovate, you need a lot of knowledge from a lot of different people. Um, you have to have somebody who gets finance. You have to have somebody that can communicate. And so the the skills that we're seeing in tech are no longer solving one problem and I can build the thing. You also have great design and user experience and those things come to it as well. But I think we're getting more comfortable with the fact that tech is a wider role. There's one other element to our festival, which is doesn't fall within the two weeks um, in February. It actually takes place in September. And this is hot off the press so this is an exclusive for chaos group but will be announced kind of officially in the beginning of march but last year we ran a startup Cornwall event uh, in newquay on uh, in september in the second week and it was an event to bring together tech startups uh, with investors with vcs to help them kind of connect with each other but also bring in some great speakers and entrepreneurs that have been through the startup journey and how they support each other it was backed by slush which is europe's biggest tech startup event it takes place in Helsinki every year it's now in its 20th year and the slush team have agreed that they would like us to do it again I think it's the 12th it might be the 14th I'll have to check that day but it's the Thursday of that week um at Sailors in Newquay and that is going to be for kind of tech startups um, and entrepreneurs in Cornwall and the local southwest um but we are super pleased that they have agreed to support Cornwall again um because we did such a great job and the community was so amazing last year our thanks to Nikki Davies, a director of Software Cornwall, for joining us here on Chaos Radio and discussing all the exciting news and events around their incredible festival of tech. For further information, including a full calendar of events and a list of relevant contact details, head on over to cornwallfestivaloftech.co.uk or search Cornwall Festival of Tech on socials. Okay, it's time for our next guest now. A recent survey by the NSPCC has found that two in five parents in the Southwest are worried about how mental health affects their family. Additionally, three out of four parents in the UK with kids under five feel anxious about their child's emotions and mental health. This led to, last year alone, there being a 21% increase in adults contacting the NSPCC helpline regarding children's mental health concerns. To support families, parents and caregivers, the NSPCC has launched an updated online parenting advice platform and TV advertisement campaign aimed at providing easily understandable guidance. Here to explain more is NSPCC Southwest Campaigns Officer Maharush Khan. 
we did a new survey which uh, revealed that um, everyday parenting concerns across the UK um, face issues such as mental health, bullying, social media, which are um, high, uh, highly ranked amongst a lot of parents. And again, with everything being so uncertain, uh, with social media, with technology um, developing as much as it is, um, is a lot harder to parent and kind of a lot of anxiety around that. I'm just I'm just reading through the press release. More than 40 percent of parents in the southwest say that they're worried about the impact of mental health. That's a an insane number, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And um, again, through a lot of our um, helpline as well, which parents and carers could contact, a lot of the uh, contacts that revealed that between 2023, for example, so April 2023 to December 2023, the NSPCC helpline dealt with uh, 2,499 child welfare contacts about the child's mental health and emotional health. And this is a 20% increase compared to uh, the same time frame that was in 2022 so it definitely has increased and it is a it's a high number mm. and we talked about some of those key sort of indicators earlier like bullying social media use and things like that can we can we sort of break down into that in a bit more detail Sure. Um, so, for example, as part of my role, we run a lot of parent um, online workshops. And again, uh, you know, with the echo, uh, with the parents uh, concern that has been echoed around social media, for example, controlling what they see, what they don't see, how they use it, who they're talking to. Um, it's definitely a lot of concern. And one, one thing that we always push is that to create a safe space because parents and I think just anyone could never get it 100 percent correct. Um, you know, especially with, like I said, technology um, evolving so much. Um, so we always push for having a, like a safe space for them to have the conversation. And there's always going to be different restrictions coming in place. And there's always going to be like other loopholes that, you know, children, children are very smart that they could get through. So just for parents to be aware of it and kind of the first step is to just having that conversation and letting your child know that, you know, that you're there for them. Just for clarity and for people listening as well. What are we classing as a child? What sort of age group are you dealing with here? Yeah, so it could be exactly like anywhere from toddler because of a very young age, you know, uh, young people have access to technology now to all the way to 16, 18. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's what we kind of class as a child to a young person. Can we talk a little bit about the renewed advice or the revised advice? I'm a parent of a young child myself, and this is a concerning thing, you know, that we're going to have to look look to in the future. And we're going to have to take this advice and this information. And it is quite a scary world to live in now, isn't it? So what advice are you giving to parents and, and how will this campaign support them? Yeah, no, of course. So with NSPCC, we have advice for parents and also we've got Childline website, which, you know, gives advice to the children. But with our parent support, so we have fresh advice for parents to get support for the everyday challenges that they face when it comes to raising children. Um, so the campaign, again, is supported by the TV presenter and author Anna uh, Williamson, and it focuses it, it focuses on NSPCC's refreshed parenting pages. So that would be on nspcc.org.uk slash parenting. And again, it takes you through all the different stages of of like uh, parenting. So it could be from uh, it's more accessible and user effect friendly. And again, it navigates family life, friends, relationship, health, well-being and just again, na- navigating the di- digital world. One thing that has come up in conversations I've had with various sort of support groups and organisations recently is people hearing about things 
but not necessarily knowing how to access it or they're worried about cost or they're worried about who they might be speaking to on the other side. But this is a completely sort of accessible, free service, isn't it? Exactly. So we have the reason that we have, um, you know, launched this campaign is that there is a misconception that NSPCC is only there for families at the breaking point. So usually families would only access information or try to get help once there is a problem. And even then, it you know, it might not be kind of clear where to go. So NSPCC is there for to give free accessible advice before, again, like I said, at that breaking point. So yeah, we want to make sure that uh, it's never too early to reach out for help. And NSPCC offers practical support advice to keep uh, children and families safe at every stage of parenting and like I said they could contact the um, they could kind of go through our um, NSPCC webpage but also if they do want to talk to someone we've got our helpline which is at 0808-800-5000. I think that's really important because the work of the NSPCC and other organisations you you hear about it you see it in in pamphlets you see it on the television you hear about it on the radio but hearing a voice like yours somebody within the organization who's able to draw on that experience I think that really helps people understand that actually there is a a friendly voice behind the telephone or on email or whatever they're doing to whatever format they're using to try and seek that support yeah definitely and again with NSPCC I feel like um a lot of people, like you, you know, touched on, they might not exactly know what we do, but we just want to make them aware that we are here for them. We've got our child line for the for the young people and the children. We've got our helpline for the parents, carers, and we've got our website. Um, so yeah, definitely they could get get in contact um, whenever they whenever they do need. Absolutely, we we talked about the support there for for parents that are worried, um, children as well. What what advice? What what sort of conversations would you be having with them on on this subject? Um, definitely. So, in terms of our, like I said, um, the Childline website, again, it touches on different topics. Again, including relationships, healthy relationships. It includes navigating the digital world, sharing images. So, there's so many different things that a young person experiences, and uh, we've got that all on Childline. Just kind of going through there. If there's anything that they need to talk to someone about. Um, they could always access our child line as well um, and where they could get through to our um, trained volunteers. We've touched on one subject or one campaign in a bit more detail, but like you said, NSPCC is more of a holistic picture dealing with all the sorts of emotions and, and trauma and difficulties uh, that, that children might face. Are there any other key campaigns at the moment that you want to get across to people? Um, so, like I said, the uh, parenting campaign is the main one at the moment for parents, for the helpline. Um, and if they do want to look into different types of campaigns, so those parents of who are um, parents to a newborn, for example, we have our Look, Say, Sing, Play, which is all about... Um, uh, all about er like early brain development and that looks at the kind of the aspects of neglect to make sure that parents have accessible information in terms of what activities that they could do with their with their babies uh, we've got pants which all um, again I'm not sure if you've uh, heard of that one before but it's um, it's all about having those conversations with their children age-appropriate conversations around se uh, preventing sexual assault and sexual harassment um, and basically empowering children to say no and reach out for help when you know where they need um so the, those are the two kind of main campaigns we have around you know based uh, based around 
children and we also do a lot of work around professionals as well so yeah there's a there's a loads of campaigns that's going on a lot of work that we're doing um but yeah if parents do want to look into any further resources for their child look sing play and the pants campaign definitely it is such a, a vital resource and comes really really highly recommended but how can people get involved how can they support you maybe they want to volunteer or they want to donate maybe they want to run an event maybe they're going to even run the london marathon um with the nspcc logo on them what can people do to be able to to give something back and help the nspcc yeah definitely so um a lot of this information is on our nspcc website where they would either want to fundraise that they could you know run their own event or run a marathon uh they could you know more than welcome to donate um or even just spreading awareness just you know uh, i think word of mouth especially in small communities letting other parents know that nspcc is here sharing the helpline um and kind of really kind of shouting about the work that we do so again word of mouth and if you do want to fundraise or anything like that a lot of it is on our website at nspcc.org.uk our thanks to maharush khan southwest campaigns officer for the nspcc the uk's leading children's charity with well over 130 years experience in the sector a range of helpful information, resources and contact details, as well as that updated advice featured in the interview, can be found by visiting nspcc.org.uk. Right, on to our next guest. Now, are you or somebody you know feeling held back by a disability or any challenges that you might face? Have you had difficulty finding a group of friends or staying active? If so, the Kerno Football Alliance could be for you. They are an organisation based in Cornwall who use the power of football to celebrate and promote diversity and inclusion. Their pan-disability team features players from a range of different backgrounds who come together to show off their abilities while also educating and supporting others around their disabilities. Nathan Richards, a born and bred Cornishman, has played disability football for the best part of two decades. Due to his dwarfism, Nathan was told at a young age that he shouldn't play contact sports. However, his love for football took over and led to him joining his local team. Nathan soon realised that his disability wasn't holding him back as much as first thought and has since transitioned and thankfully flourished into adult football, becoming an integral part of Kerno's famous Unbeatables. Here is Nathan discussing the life-changing opportunities he has found within Kerno, how you might benefit from the range of services that they offer, and an ongoing fundraising campaign to support them with various projects and visions. Being obviously with a contraplasia or dwarfism as it's commonly known, the shorter stature means I couldn't reach obviously certain things higher up. So anything above average height and all that, I was a bit screwed with. At a young age, it really affected me. Like, I was kind of going around asking the question of why me how did I get dealt this card and then as I grew older I was just like it's life it was unfortunate I had to be drawn the card but I took it on and I'm, over the years gone by I've just I've accepted it it is what it is and there have been challenges in the past there have been times of bullying and such but over time you just get on with it and like at the end of the day yeah okay words sometimes get to you but you just brush it off and 
move forward. With Kerno FA, we'll move on mm. to that now. So the FA might have a focus on deaf football or uh, cerebral palsy football, transplant football, for example, but not necessarily on the pan disability. With Kerno, there's a group of people there who have all faced similar battles, but all have completely unique stories. Isn't that right? 100%. I, I don't um, disrespect, like, obviously the DP football and um, all that, but, like, there have been multiple other disabilities, or, uh, people with multiple uh, other disabilities who just want to play the game as well. And, like, they haven't been able to go out there and play and represent and all. Whereas with Kerno now, you've brought all these various disabilities together we can push forward and like make our stories individual stories be known there's this differentiation disability ability mm. and all of this kind of stuff with kerno it is just an open book isn't it oh 100 like since i've joined it's just everyone's come together like we just want to play football regardless of what we all have we can all push our own messages out there but at the end during it all we play the best game we can on the pitch and do what we do best where did your involvement with kerno start the involvement of kerno started i want to i think it was about two years ago now or just over two years ago i when i was playing for true a lad that i played with called taylor hoskin was playing with us and he was involved with Kerno. That to me is like, I've got a couple of people coming along to have a watch of us, Simon and Jason. And I was like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then he told me about like how they have this group of people blend called Balcano and all that and introduced that idea and then when the day came or we went to go play the games and all Taylor introduced me to Simon and we got talking about Kerno and how the Kerno FA is a family of these people and they want to just have an inclusive side and ever since from that I think I think it was from that moment I was just like I'm happy to be a part of it if you want these. Amazing. And it's taken you, well, um, around Europe, around the country, places that, that, you know, I don't know what your sort of uh, your lifestyle is or what you do for work and things like this. But are these opportunities that, you know, that are, are brand new? I suppose you're not doing these things with Treventon and True, are you? Like you said, when we got with Kerno and all that and to do these trips away to travel across the nation and to visit other places, never once in a million years I thought I'd be doing it. And then, like, maybe, yeah, going on holidays, that's but playing and representing Kerno in the likes of Spain, Tenerife, Belfast, and all that, I was like, yep, never would have, never, never could have put money on this to happen. Tell me about the group. The group of lads that I play with are, they are some of the, if not the best bunch of people I've ever been around. When I first got introduced to them, going into it, meeting a new bunch of people, it was a bit wary because it's a whole bunch of people who never met before. As soon as I like went to the first trip away, I think it was up in Bridgewater, and I met a few of them, we all just clip like that it was just banterous funny just got along like we knew each other like all our lives and just jokes were flying left right and center we could all get on and just we all just bounced off one another we wouldn't even say we were just friends i say it's it's like a family if you've got an issue outside of the game or in the game we are all good enough to confide in each other and exp express these problems we can get one or two or if not the whole team's opinion on it it's just best mates family teammates we're all one we all just we all adore each other has it been life-changing is that too strong a word i wouldn't say that's a strong word no i think growing up i i would never have thought i could do these opportunities that i have done with kerno i never once thought i would play football like on an international stage any youngster growing up as a, from a kid to a teenager to a young adult you play football because at the end of the day one time you want to go out and play football at 
representing on a national slash international scale. And thankfully to Kerno, I have been given that chance and I have done it. Right, come on. What stands out for you in the last couple of years then? What particular game, what particular moment? Yeah, I can pick out a few. Every time we went to Bridgewater, it was just, it's great to do a trip up to Bridgewater to play there against uh, Southwest CP. My best memory though, when we went to Belfast to play in the George Best Cup, and we got to the final. We all knew from the day before when we'd done the qualifying games and such, we knew what was at stake. And like we could still, I imagine some of us were anxious, but like it was kept low because of the jokes. We could calm ourselves down. It was when we played that final game and we knew when to take the banter time and leave it off the side of the pitch, play the game, do what we had to do and wait for that final whistle. And then it was when that final whistle went, and we had won the game, I don't think any of us had expected us to do it. And it was the moment of where we all kind of stopped on the pitch when the finalists went looked at each other and we've done it. The cheering, the laughter, just the whole group just running in on each other to just cheer and celebrate. It was incredible and definitely a memory I will have the able future to, to the end. I've seen the trailer for the Unbeatables and I have seen the incredible promotional video that goes alongside the crowdfunder that we'll talk about in a minute. It really makes the hair stand up, doesn't it? Watching that, they were awe-inspiring. It was incredible to, like, even though some of those games or most of those games I was a part of and therefore it was like, it still puts the hairs on your neck stand up because it's like you're watching it back. That's us, the accomplishments and the games we played. Like, put yourself into someone who wasn't there, like, seeing it for the first time and all that. Like, you put yourself in their shoes, you know, like, damn, like, that's incredible. With that and the crowdfunding to secure the future of Kerno FA. It kind of puts the idea of like, yeah, okay, we've done that. We can relive it through the videos. But then with the crowdfunder, we can then go forward and make more memories like that again, drive for more and push for more and win more. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I think what is important to say at this point is that everyone's a volunteer. Nobody gets paid. And I think what's really interesting as well is it comes at an expense to everybody. So the players are paying for their own travel. They're paying for their equipment. They're paying for hotel stays. They're paying for all of it, really. We as volunteers have made this happen. Like you said, none of us are paid as such, but we all are paid in the good memories that we've put in to strive for this. Yeah, okay, there's an expense to it, but we are back out of it with some of the best memories some of us will ever have and we can cherish those into the future. Part of this crowdfunder is trying to support the community, a community outreach, getting people to talk about, open up about their disabilities and, and issues. It doesn't even have to be disabilities, does it? It could be prejudice or any bullying that they might have had or any issues that they faced. Having this open platform to be able to chat about any problems that you're facing in a, in a welcoming environment. And as well as that, being part of a, a team environment, using the power of football and sport to really start really really powerful conversations and try and make a difference because as you've alluded to and as Simon said to me before Simon York the the inclusive director sometimes there are barriers in place that need breaking down and there's a huge voice behind these barriers now that are starting to break them down yes 100% coming from a youngster as such when when I saw the inclusivity or back when I was like under the age of like 10 there wasn't much inclusivity in football or any like sport that I knew of at the time coming to now to see the inclusivity being brought together it's, it's great massively and there are voices 
finally being heard behind these barriers and such and the barriers are being broken down like you said with the pan disability you know everyone having a variety as such we're all expressing ourselves and have the ability to express ourselves with stuff we have or challenges we have faced through the years of the past and it's good that they're being heard because it makes with these voices being out there it's if someone else out there has got something going on in their lives or has the same something one of us all has we are the same like we are in this together like we can be the voice to help them get through this like they're not on their own they can if they are struggling with something they can come through as well like how we've come through and just hope that at the end of the day when the barriers are fully gone we can help be the voice and help people come up with us Obviously, you guys are here to stay, but the next generation, you know, the the potential for for youth teams building up, the potential for different community outreach events and and different things that the what will become a, a community interest company, so a CIC, will be able to influence and get involved with other like-minded organisations. Kano seem to know what they want to achieve, but this money will go towards reaching those goals and starting those conversations and providing a, a platform for, for not just Kano, but different disability organisations within, within Cornwall to, to really move forward and make Cornwall such an inclusive and diverse place to, to be and to enjoy. 100%. And I'm hoping that um, we can help the next generation that's coming up be able to just come like into it and be like, this is where like youngsters with disabilities and all that, if they want to play football, they can come into the stage that we are currently on and be seen, be cheered on and supported. And my opinion, I think it's the best way forward because we've disability football, inclusive football has to be, in my opinion, I might be biased, but like disability football and football where there's like mainstream football and no disabilities, we're all the same at the end of the day. We all just want to kick a ball and play football. It's just needs, we hoping we can bring the disability side through as far as we can. I will say one quick thank you to Simon and Jason for giving me the opportunities. And I'm sure the others in the team will back me up when I say that to thanks to them and such. I will say if anyone does want to give us a hand, please do. You're making some individuals who have had a dream when they were youngsters to play on the big stage and that will be the best thing ever. And we will take it far. We'll put the Cornwall and the Kono name out there and make other places across the United Kingdom and the world know who Cornwall are and what we represent. Our thanks to Nathan Richards there of the Kerno Football Alliance. To learn more, or if you feel able to donate in support of the organisation's future, head on over to crowdfunder.co.uk and search The Unbeatables. So, the time has come for our final guest of the show. Over to my Chaos Radio colleague, Dom Philbin now, who's been getting into the spirit of pantomime with the excellent cast and crew at St. Eleda Pantomime Society. Panto season is still in full swing here in Cornwall, so I've come down to Fradden Village Hall to talk to some of the cast and crew of the St. Eleda Pantomime Society about their upcoming performance of Beauty and the Beast. Okay, I'm here with Curtis and Chris, the co-directors of Beauty and the Beast, and they're going to tell us about the performance. So first, Curtis. Yeah, so uh, Beauty and the Beast this year, it's been a fun year, a fun group of people to work with. Um, We're currently doing dress rehearsals. Uh, Me and Chris are both starring in the show as well, and I'm sure Chris will tell you about his role later on. So so what's your role in Uh, this year's panto? I'm playing Marcel, which is one of the hairstylists from the beauty parlour. And I get to play Camp and Northern, so good fun. <laughs> Everyone likes to be Camp and Northern. Uh, Chris, so who are you playing? 
I'm playing the Beasts this year, so I've uh, had a bit of a role change. Normally I play in the Dames, so this year I've actually got to be sensible and actually play a straight role. So it's a bit of a challenge, but I'm glad that I've been given the opportunity to try something new within the society. Like this year, we've, um, we've rejigged everyone in the cast, so no one's doing the same sort of parts as they've done before, just to try and bring something different to the show. Right. And so is Beauty and the Beast. Is it based on the, the Disney? It's not really Disney related. We've got a couple of Disney songs in there, but I don't want to give it away what we've got. Oh yeah, no spoilers, no definitely. Um, but we've got obviously Belle, the principal girl, but that's the only Disney related character kind of thing in the show. The rest is pure panto. Okay. So. And, and where do people get tickets from? Uh, Cornwall 365 is our booking office, um, but you are able to buy tickets on the night but it is advisable to book in advance because some of our shows are near and sell out so okay so and uh, and what are the dates for this year's performance uh, so we open next sunday so sunday the 18th of february and we run to saturday the 24th of february we have a show every day and an extra matinee on the saturday afternoon okay so next up i'm here with annabelle who is actually playing the lead role of bell so tell us about yourself Hi, I'm Annabelle and this is my first panto here and I've just started this year but I've done previous dances in the past since I was like three years old and I'm in a drama school called Barter Theatre Academy and we've also performed some musical theatre shows. Okay, and uh, have you got any favourite songs in this year's pantomime? Well, I've, I'm doing the song Speechless as a solo so that's probably going to be my favourite. And how are you feeling about that? Are you quite nervous or are you okay with your, with your background in drama school? Pretty nervous, but I think we'll be fine on the day. Yeah, absolutely fine. Yeah, especially get the first panto out of the way, the first one, and then it'll just it sails from there. Yeah. Okay. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about the show? Just I hope it all goes well and it's going to look great. Yeah. And what about costumes? Have you got many costumes this year? Yes, we've got some massive big white dress to wear. Well, I've just spoken to uh, Chris, and he was pantomime bed dame last year. So, uh, is he backstage? Has he been trying on your dresses at all? <laughs> no, not that I know of. No, not that you know of anyway. Okay, so next up, I'm here with Adam. Who are you playing this year? So this year, I am playing the role of Gustav. He is a ladies' man, a newcomer to the village. Um, a very American accent based as well, which was something new and a challenge for me. So how are your accents? Yeah, there. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> well, um, I'm trying my best. So, yeah, I hope, hopefully I'm, you know, I've been practicing it. So hopefully I won't disgrace myself too much. <laughs> and have you got any uh, solo songs this year? Yes, first time ever. This is my 13th panto. And it's the first time I've ever had a solo so that's another nerve-wracking thing this year. Yeah. And are you going to be doing the singing in an American accent? At the minute, I'm trying it, yes. Yeah. But it's more of a, a song that you can speak rather than sing, so I've got away quite lightly there. So, oh. yeah. so it's more like a William Shatner it's, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Sort of, it's more like a... Well, it's, it's I'm Too Sexy by White Said Fred, so you can have a bit of fun with it at the same time. So oh, it's right. Not, not okay. oh, no spoilers there then. But no, 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 it's no, nice and... Nice and uh, fun, which is the main thing. This yeah. is why we do it, isn't it? We have fun. Absolutely, yeah. Have you got any uh, standout scenes, anything that you're really enjoying doing this year? I'm, I, do you know, I'm enjoying it all. It's, it's a challenge. It's something that I've never done before. It's, you know, something completely different. So just, you know, just the challenge of it is, all of it has just been really fun. And to um, take a step back has been 
quite nice as well. Yeah, and again, it's uh, this year you're not wearing a dress uh, unless you, that's what you turn up to <laughs> before rehearsals. No, I'm only wearing the dresses at home this year, not at Panto. So, so no. is it not as comfortable wearing trousers this year then? No, it's strange. It's uh, tight leather black trousers this year. So something, something completely different to a nice dress. But well, it yeah. definitely help you to hit the uh, the right the high notes anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, second year in a row, I've not actually been a woman in the panto this year. So it's, yeah, maybe, maybe next year. We'll see what happens. So there we go. That was uh, some of the cast and crew from the St. Enida Pantomime Society talking about their upcoming pantomime, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, that's going to be on at Fradden Village Hall from Sunday the 18th of February, running right through to Saturday the 24th uh, with matinees on the Sunday and the Saturday. If you'd like tickets, you can get those from Comwall365.com or by calling 01209 312505. And you can also email St. Enida Pantomime Society, all one word, at mail.com. Com. Uh, obviously just have a look on to the social media look at the facebook page uh, just remember that uh, cash and card are accepted you can buy tickets on the night but it is advisable to book in advance okay that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of Newswave. our thanks to nathan richards of the Kerno football alliance to software cornwall director nikki davies to maharush khan the southwest campaigns officer for the nspcc and to the cast and crew of st enida pantomime society and a final thank you to you for listening and helping support local journalism to thrive now remember if you have a local news story that you would like to share with us email news at chaos.radio or search chaos radio uk across socials that's it you're up to date here on chaos i'm tom howe thanks very much for listening see you next week